It's great to be with you this morning. As uh, as we were coming back to Canada and preparing for our time here, I received an email from Troshu uh, talking about your your missionary focus. And usually you have this wonderful meal and dessert time in the fellowship hall, but of course, because of the restrictions we've had, it was decided that during the months of February and March, each Sunday, you would feature a different missionary. And I, I looked at the schedule, and I looked, March 20th was our day, and we were asked to maybe prepare a video or a PowerPoint to send to the church to see, and I, I looked at our, our schedule, our home assignment schedule, and the only Sunday we had nothing planned was March 20th. So I said, instead of, uh, you know, a video, how about a live presentation? We'd be happy to come to Troshu. So it was very obvious to me that God wanted us here on the 20th. Although when I woke up this morning, I thought, really, Lord? <laughs> um, I'm not used to driving in this weather, but uh, no, we're very thankful we could be here with you this morning. There's a word in the Portuguese language, and the word is saudade. It's a word that only exists in Portuguese, so it's a very difficult word to to translate into another language. The closest word we have that we would use in English would be homesickness, but even that only scratches the surface. And so the next slide shows you uh, how we would define this word. You could pass on the slide, that would be great. So, saudade evokes a sense of loneliness and incompleteness, a deep longing or desire for someone or something other than the present. So I can have saudade for my husband. For example, I came to Canada six weeks before he did, and I had a lot of saudade for for him, him when he was still in Brazil. I can also sense saudade of a favorite place to visit, or even a moment in time that gave me great joy. As a missionary, I think we live in a constant state of saudade. When we are serving on the field, we feel saudade for our families and friends, um, our home country, our culture, even for something as simple as a bathtub. I can't tell you how many baths I've had since I've been back in Canada. And when we were in our are in our home country, um, we often sense saudade for the people group that we serve, for the place that we have made our home, for our daily routines, and again something as simple as Brazilian chimarrão tea that my husband and I drink every day in Brazil. Actually, he brought it here, so. He helped me to get over my saudade of that. The last two years during this pandemic, I imagine all of you have gone through some moments of saudade, which is what we encounter in Psalm 42. So I'd like to ask you to open your Bibles with me, and let's read this psalm, the first eight verses of Psalm 42 together. I think this psalm, the the very first verse is very familiar to us, or the first couple of verses, uh, because there's a famous song that we've been singing since the 70s. But I'd like to read a little bit more than just that. So Psalm 42, verses 1 to 8. 
As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while men say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go with the multitude, leading the procession to the house of God, with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. Why are you so downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mazar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. Just so we understand a little bit of the background of this psalm, it was written by the sons of Korah. And their job was to do what we just saw. Their job was to lead the time of music, the time of worship music, during the services that were held in the tabernacle. But in this particular instance, they, along with King David, had fled the city of Jerusalem because King David's son had taken over the throne. And so there they were, long, a long way from Jerusalem, hiding in a cave with their king. And they were going through a lot of saldaji. Saldaji for that time that they would be together, leading the procession of God's people to the tabernacle for this moment where they could praise and lift up the name of the Lord. And I think it's really important that we understand the significance of the tabernacle at that time. Nowadays, we take the Lord with us wherever we go because we have the Holy Spirit living in us. But at that moment in history, the place, the presence of God on the earth was in the tabernacle, in the Holy of Holies. So if you wanted to be close to God, you needed to go to the tabernacle. I'm so thankful that that's not the case today. I'm so thankful that we have the Lord close to us. But when, when someone was a long way from Jerusalem, they were a long way from God. And that's this saudade that we hear in the voice of the sons of Korah, how they longed for the days that they were back in Jerusalem. I think it's probably interesting that I would choose a psalm of lament to share about what God has been doing on the mission field, but I think it's very appropriate. When I came back to Canada and was praying and thinking about how I would share of my last few years in Brazil, I, I even said to the Lord, Lord, how can I, how can I share with so much joy and, and enthusiasm when it's been a really hard time? But I've always been one who's tried to be authentic. And I have to say to you that this has been a long, difficult two years. And I really relate to the words of this psalmist in so many ways. We, I believe all of us in the world, 
as the global church are going through a time of lament. And I think if anything, the Psalms teach us that to lament, to grieve, is okay. That God permits it. That God has also lamented and grieved. And I don't know about you, but as I go through this time of lament, I can relate very well to verse 7, where the psalmist says, your waves break over me. And I feel very much like this flower in the photo who's on the beach as the waves come and and continue to, to break over me constantly without stopping. The next slide Um, I'm using a different version in the slides from the version called The Voice. The psalmist, he says this. He says, My soul is dry and thirsts for you, true God, as a deer thirsts for water. I long for the true God who lives. When can I stand before him and feel his comfort? When will the lament pass? When will the grief pass? And as I think about what we've gone through on the mission field, I know that many of you have gone through similar things here in Canada. The next slide shows you a photo of Pastor Elder and his wife, Selenir. Pastor Elder, almost a year ago to this day, passed away from COVID at 50 years of age. He was pastoring the Good News Baptist Church which is the church, um, it's, it's actually quite known here in North America because it's the church where the Chain of Love Homes uh, congregated for many years. It's the church that uh, was the Ken and Gerilyn Bayer missionaries, long-term missionaries to Brazil, helped to start. And Pastor Elder had a very significant role, especially in the life of my husband. He was my husband's mentor. And it was a hard loss. He passed away, actually, At the moment when Paulo and I had COVID and my husband also was very sick from COVID and we were wondering um, if he would survive or not. So it was a very difficult time to get the phone call and hear about this, this great loss, especially as I looked at my husband and he was suffering from his lungs being up to 70% compromised. And, and that week when we had COVID, it was a very difficult time in our city. Our city was overwhelmed with COVID cases. We tried to visit three different hospitals, and they wouldn't even let us in the door. And those were private hospitals, not public, because they were so overwhelmed. And the next uh, slide shows you another dear friend that we lost. Um, here you see the twins, Clarissa and Giselle, and their mother, Ira Sema. And Ira Sema also passed away from COVID the same week as Pastor Elder. And just a few days after Ira Sema passed, her niece, who had been taking care of her, died of COVID as well. So in the week that we were at our sickest, we lost three good friends. And Ira Sema was very special to me in particular because when I first arrived in Brazil, um, I had her two twin daughters in my classroom. I couldn't even tell them apart back then. Now I can. but um, And they kind of adopted me, and they took me to their home many, many times, and Ida Sema treated me as one of her daughters, and I was able to both mentor, and even I was even in the wedding party for both Clarissa and Giselle. Giselle actually um, 
was serving as a missionary in China. I had mentored her and, and was continuing to support her as she was in China. And while she was there, her family received a mission team in Brazil with a young man from Nashville, Tennessee, and they match made and it worked. And so in 2019, Paulo and I were in Nashville, Tennessee, and I had the privilege of being the matron of honor at Giselle's wedding, representing her twin sister, Cletis. Very special to me to this day. And when Ida Sema passed away, it was particularly difficult for her daughters because Clarissa had just given birth to her second daughter while her mom was intubated three days before she passed. And three days after Ida Sema passed, Giselle gave birth to her first daughter. It's a time of lament. And during all this, um, the next slide shows you a photo of my dad. In May of last year, my dad passed away from cancer. And it was very difficult because, of course, I was so far away and I hadn't been able to see him for a long time. And even talking on the phone with him had been very infrequent because um, he... He was having such a difficult time recovering from his surgery for cancer. And the saudade for my dad still burns within me. After being in Brazil for 19 years and being so far away from my family, and I'm just so thankful that I was able to travel back to Canada after he passed and to be with my mom. But I relate so well. After all these losses, and, and there were many more losses in the month of, of March of 2020, or sorry, 2021, our Brazilian denomination lost over 150 pastors to COVID. Just so much loss. So I relate so well to what it says in verse 3. My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all day long, where is your God? So much loss. And as I travel around to my churches who support me here in Canada and the U.S., I've heard of loss after loss. We are in a time of lament. God is taking many who are his to be at home with him. And the next slide talks about not only are we in a time of loss, but we've been through a time of separation. So as the waters break over us, we, we can really relate to what the psalmist says. With a broken heart, I remember times before when I was with your people. Those were better days. I used to lead them happily into the true God's house, singing with joy, shouting thanksgiving with abandon, joining the congregation in the celebration. I don't know how long this church was closed during COVID. And, of course, it was just the building that was closed. You know, we, we are the church. The building is not the church. But, but did we not recognize how important this building is to our being the church? Being together, being with one another in communion. I can relate so well when the sons of course said, oh, I miss those times when when we are together worshiping the Lord. 
And so like both, like here in Canada, both our church and our seminary where I teach had to stop meeting in person. In 2020, we, we were shut down or our church building was shut down and our seminary was shut down for eight months. And then in 2021 for another six months. And, and it was hard. It was a hard time to be looking at people on a, on a computer screen. It was a hard time. I don't know about you, but Paula and I had to lead our service from our home. And so I ended up having to lead the, the time of worship, missing the, the rest of the people who, who helped me lead on the worship team. And, and, and even at the times when I wasn't leading and watching, was I singing with all my heart like I do in the church? No. I mean, at least I wasn't in my pajamas. But it was a, it's a, it was hard to be separated. It was hard, even though I could see faces and at times I could even hear voices. It was hard. And, and even at the seminary, especially, I'm, I'm the kind of professor who I don't just teach, but I love to get involved in the lives of my students. And, um, the next slide shows you in, in 2019, our seminary celebrated 40 years of existence. And it was an exciting time. And at the end of the year, we were able to give our, our mission, we gave a, a special gift to the seminary. We gave them a renovated classroom with technology and, more important, air conditioning. And we've never used this room. It sits empty to this day because we've been doing seminary online through a computer screen. And uh, even now, the semester just started at the beginning of March, the new year, new, new seminary year. I'm, I'm not there, obviously, but they're going on and they're continuing to, to go online. And so my only connection for the last two years with almost everyone I know has been through a computer screen. And that separation has just felt so difficult. And the next uh, photo shows you just an example of what I've been living with for the last two years and continue to in some ways as well. And in verse 7 of this psalm, we come to the climax where it says, deep calls to deep. In times of lament, the deep grief that we we have in our, our lives, in our hearts, calls for God's deep mercy. The psalmist is expressing the fact that his soul was in deep need of God. He calls out from his place of profound need for the unfathomable greatness of God. A deep need calls for a deep remedy. And in the book Handfuls on Purpose for Christian Workers and Bible Students, there's a title, James Smith and Robert Lee shared, The deep of man's need calleth unto the deep of God's fullness. And the deep of God's fullness calleth unto the deep of man's need. Between our emptiness and his all-sufficiency, there is a great gulf. Deep calleth unto deep. The deep mercy of God, God needs our emptiness, into which it might pour itself. Nothing can fully meet the depth of our need but the depth of his almighty fullness. I, I, I love that deep calls to deep. I deeply need God, and God deeply has the resources to pour back into me. And so in my deep helplessness, I need God to love me deeply and give me a faith that goes deeper than ever before, 
when it felt like the world was shutting down, God demonstrated to me, to us, that his hands are not bound. And nothing can stop the advancement of his kingdom here on earth. And so, like all psalms of lament, even though we are experiencing a time of loss, even though we are experiencing a time of separation, I mean, even now there are people at home who are not here with us in the building watching the service. The psalmist reminds us that there is always hope. Part of lament is knowing that there is hope. And so the next slide says in verse 8, Yet in the light of day, the eternal shows me his love. When night settles in and all is dark, he keeps me company. His soothing song, a prayerful melody to the true God of my life. And so even though I, I come with a heart lamenting, I come saying that God has been at work, that God has done great things. And so the next slide shows you that the seminary celebrated 40 years at the end of 2019. And we hit 2020 online wondering what was going to happen to our pastoral formation course. Well, it tripled in size. During a pandemic, online, with only having classes online, we tripled in size. And we now have students from different parts of Brazil studying with us. Praise the Lord. Does that not fill us with hope? And the other thing is, last year in February, we started Project Kairos. Project Kairos is a partnership with our our denominational seminary, Sioux Falls Seminary in South Dakota, they banded together with Taylor Seminary in Edmonton, Alberta, and other, another three seminaries. They've created Kairos University, and they are offering master's degrees and a doctorate of ministry degree, and they're just, they're just expanding. Every day they expand more and more. There are over 1,000 students in 30 different countries studying for their Masters of Divinity and Masters of Arts or Doctorate of Ministry in five different languages, and our seminary became part of this. Praise the Lord. We're able to bring Master's degrees and Doctor of Ministry degrees to our pastors in Brazil, and our pilot group started with 14 students, 10 doing Master's, and four doing their Doctorate of Ministry degree in our state. That's like a miracle in a state that someone reached for the gospel. And every week we get inquiries, more inquiries about people who are interested in joining the Kairos Project in Brazil. And now the only thing that's kind of stopping us at this point is we only have two faculty mentors. And, and both of us, I'm one and my colleagues another, we can only handle about 10 students. And so we're actually in the process of getting another faculty member to join us so that we can open up more spots for students in Brazil. God is at work, and this gives us hope. The next slide shows you miracles that happened at our church. During the pandemic, two families came to Christ when our church doors were closed. And one of them was like what every pastor dreams about. 
a lady, she walked in front of our church. She wrote down my husband's cell phone number, went home, gave it to her husband. He called and said, we'd like to have a pastoral visit. Cool. We'll, we'll visit you. So my husband, Paula, went to visit them and he said, what can I do for you? And they said, we want to accept Christ as our savior. When does that happen in this world? <laughs> and they, and he, they accepted Christ that very day. They began to be discipled. And our very first service after being closed for eight months in 2020 was their baptismal service. And then at the end, in that same month, December of 2020, another family came to Christ. And they, um, they were, they are related to some of the members of our church. And then once again, Paulo discipled them. We had to close our church again. And then August, you guessed it, our very first service after being closed for six months was the baptismal service for this next family and the daughter from the first family. And we just got word that last week that the, I think it's the, the niece of the second family that came to Christ accepted Christ. God is doing amazing things. And this last December, right before I came back to Canada, the couple, the second family, you know, who came to Christ, they weren't married. They were living as common law couple and had children together. They got married. And it was so exciting to have their wedding. Our whole church, they're not, they're not a very well-off financially family. So the husband, he borrowed a suit. Paulo's and my gift to them was his shirt and tie. <laughs> so he had a nice shirt and tie. The bride used my wedding dress to get married in. And our church threw on this, this beautiful wedding for this couple. Once again, active in our church and just a really exciting time to see when you least expect it, when you think that, that nothing's happening, God is at work and there's hope. The next slide is of someone who's very dear to us. Her name is Carol. Well, Ana Carolina, but Carol, it's easier to understand, hey? And she actually is a member. Her family are members at our church. They are a, a family that really struggles financially. The husband makes very little money. And mom, she, like, she's making chocolate, and she's making kuchen, and she's making bread, and she's making pizza. Like, she's, she makes whatever she can and sells it to her neighbors to try and get some extra income. And, and as uh, my husband, he's had a scholarship to send kids to camp. Well, ever since we could send Carol, we've been sending her to camp. And this last year, she turned 15, very big deal in Brazil. It's like Mexico, you know, that big, huge coming out debutante thing. And so it was very exciting. I got to take her photos for her 15th birthday. And in October of this last year, she won Camper of the Year. She got in the car, and she was so excited. She said, I worked really hard, Lindell. <laughs> I said, I could imagine that she did. We're so proud of her. And she came back from camp in October, and she started discipling the 10-year-old daughter of the second family who came to Christ. I know it's, like, confusing, but... The fact she came home and is discipling another young girl for Christ. And she's even more excited about her 16th birthday because when she turns 16, she can become a volunteer counselor at the camp and spend all summer there. And Lord willing, Paula and I were hoping after she's graduated from high school, we want to send her to their one-year discipleship program, which is so important for young adults. Young adults, they... It's the time in their life, it's the most important time in their life when they're making the most important decisions, and it's the time where they really, they really need 
to, to just go out on their own faith journey. Up until that point, many have been following the faith of their parents, but it's that moment in time where they say, no, I am a follower of Jesus Christ and I will be for the rest of my life. And we want to instill that in Carol. And the next slide is something really cool that happened too during the pandemic. Our state, as I said, is the most unreached state in Brazil. I was sharing in in Sunday school, we have 0.09% is Baptist. I kind of wonder what it is in Canada. Like, what is the Baptist population in Canada? It's probably around the same, maybe. I don't know. It's not very, <laughs> I don't think it's very high. But, um, it's yeah, it's an unreached state for the gospel. And and so our emphasis for the last, ever since I've been there, almost 20 years now, the emphasis has been on church planting, church planting, and church planting. And it takes a long time to plant a church. And I was just in, in meetings in, in, no, in December before coming back to Canada. It was our annual um uh, association meetings for our our Baptist our state Baptist convention, and seven churches were formed. I'll tell you something. I cried because in the last 19 years I've been in Brazil, I've never seen that happen in our state. And what a privilege it was to to see these these church planters called up to the front, and to see them celebrating in the, the during a pandemic. Seven church plants became churches, full-on churches. When have we seen that happen even here in North America, in our North American Baptist Conference? And this church was planted by one of my former students. It's the Ahoyo dos Hatos Baptist Church. There you go. And so it was just so exciting. And like I said, I cried because I thought... You know, sometimes we have so little faith. We think just because we have to sit in our home for, you know, months at a time in front of a computer screen that nothing can happen. But God cannot be stopped. And there is hope. And he is doing miracles. And it's just so exciting. And the next slide just shows you what we we celebrated our seminary graduation in December for the first time, you know, in three years. We were able to actually have a seminary, even with our masks and everything. And I had the privilege of giving the commencement address and it was so exciting to see these students. You know, the first student that you can see, the one on the left, his name is Andre. Andre is from another state. He came to our state. He was transferred by his company. He worked for this big company. He was one of these big-time managers. Got transferred to our state and uh, got involved in a church. He was a Christian already when he came. He and his family got involved in a church. And then his company wanted to transfer him back. And he said, no, nope, I'm quitting. God's calling me to stay in this state to reach people for for Christ. He quit a very lucrative job to have no salary (laughs) and to have to, like, borrow money to go to seminary. But he believed that that was what God was calling him to do. And he just graduated, and his pastor just retired. And guess what? He's now the pastor of this church. Praise the Lord. And the middle guy, I love this story. This is Henato in the middle with the yellow mask on. And Henato is 65, retired, loves to fish. He married a church planter who's like 25 years younger than him, but great, great relationship, works like beautifully. And he, he saw his wife church planting and he said, you know, I should really help her. Came to seminary, <laughs> fought to study through all his two and a half years of seminary, and now 
You know it. He's not just fishing. Fish. He's fishing women and men for Christ. I know that's a corny joke, but I couldn't help it. And the third student is Marcus. And Marcus actually, I mean, he he should have died of cancer when he was 19. God saved his life before he even knew Christ as his Savior. And when he was like in his late 30s, he, he became a Christian and just God called him into full-time ministry. And so he did our seminary. He's now one of our Cairo students doing his master's degree. And he's the, just got hired on this year as the associate pastor of his church. And he's, I love this story. His church is an old mechanics, like office or what it, mechanics. I, I'm sorry. I'm not a very good car person, but you know, like where they fix cars, garage. Thank you. It's like this big garage and it has these two giant garage doors on either side. And so his church, they contacted their city and said, Hey, if you want to do the, the COVID vaccines at our church, you're welcome to use our church building. And that they're doing drive-in COVID vaccines in the sanctuary. And so Marcus has formed a team of volunteers, and they're there offering coffee and water and prayer and preaching the gospel to the people that come. And one day, I get a photo from Marcus. I'm sorry I don't have it anymore, but it was this guy, this man on a tractor. He didn't have a car, which is common in Brazil, and so he had to go get his vaccine. So he just drove his tractor into town. Drove the tractor right through the church into the church building, and there he was in the church. A tractor in the sanctuary, you know, so this man could get his vaccine. And I thought, I bet God loves that. I bet God looks down on that and smiles. And just an exciting ministry, and it's been great. I'm his faculty mentor, Marcus, so it's great to walk through this journey with him. And so I just want to say that even in lament, Even in times of loss and separation, God is good. And so as the waves break over me, I know that I can also feel refreshed and reminded that in my weakness, the Lord is strong. And in my brokenness, God is faithful. And that, you know what? It's all about him. And it's not about me. It's not about a pandemic. It's all about what he's doing in the world. And so even though we feel saudade at many times in our lives, we have hope in Christ. And it is important to recognize that that is our only hope, is the hope that we have in Christ, that he is our Savior, that he is our Lord. That he is in control. And that even though we don't know tomorrow, God is in tomorrow. And he's there and he's caring for the people in tomorrow. And and he is advancing his kingdom. That we have the victory. And we also know that our hope is in Christ because he also has experienced loss. He has experienced the worst separation that could possibly exist you know when jesus stood there in the garden and when he was praying right before his crucifixion and he the drops of blood were running down his face and he was in he was just anguished and he said to the lord take this cup from me 
It wasn't out of fear that he said those words. How many, how many of our brothers and sisters in Christ have faced death for their faith? Jesus was saying those words because he knew that at that moment that he was on the cross, he would be separated from his father. The first time ever in eternity, that that beautiful communion that exists between the father, the son, and the spirit would be broken because of our sins. And because Jesus faced the worst possible separation that exists, we never have to face that. Even the, the people that don't, that say they don't believe in God, they don't believe in Jesus, that they don't follow our Jesus, God is still present in their lives. Even though they don't accept it, they're not separated from him. And that is why we have hope. Hope that we're loved. Hope that we're cared for beyond what we can imagine. And hope that God is always with us, whether we, we seek him or not. We have hope in Christ. The last slide is just a, a way to, uh, to, say, to express our thanks to this church for all you've done for us, for all your prayers for us, for all your financial support, for supporting our special projects. Not only myself, but my husband, Paulo, who's a missionary. You've been such a, uh, a wonderful church and, and just being partners with us in Brazil, and we're so thankful for you. And if you want to continue to pray for us, I know you will. So continue to pray for our Kairos project as we expand, that we'd have wisdom. You know, we wouldn't go too fast we want to be faithful in that. Pray for our pastoral formation course. We've got a lot more students now who are doing their their uh, preparation for pastoral ministry. For our church, Niteroi Baptist Church is the name of our church, that we would continue to be a light for Christ and just for good health and safety as we continue to reach out and, and travel. I just thank you so much for this opportunity to share, and I just let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we are just so grateful that in times of loss and in times of separation, in times of lament, our hope is in you. Thank you for being our hope. Thank you for being that steady tower, that strong tower. Thank you for being our fortress and our refuge. May we never lack hope and may we always trust in you. In Jesus' name. Amen.